0: Jesus, hallelujah, you are great and greatly to be praised. Lift up your name tonight, Jesus, hallelujah, 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 amen. As kids' church is dismissed, amen, and uh, we can go before the word of the Lord tonight as we are turning to Ephesians chapter 2, another reminder about men's and ladies' conference that's coming up, Uh, and so if you uh, uh, haven't told anybody you want to go, you need to tell somebody, because uh, hotels are limited, and uh, you don't want to be sleeping on the floor somewhere. Uh, so uh, uh, let, let somebody know if you're interested in going. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past, Gentiles in the flesh, Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens and from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope when without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye are, who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh, by the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for the blood that he shed for me. Amen. We would not be here. We would still be strangers uh, of God, and that is not a good thing, uh, place to be. Amen. So turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord as you're seated tonight. Man, we've been talking about um, the strangers among us, and last week uh, we examined the life of Abraham and and saw how much of a stranger he really was in the land of promise. Uh, He was a a sojourner walking by faith and living by faith in this foreign land um, with no rights to the land. And he didn't find what he was looking for. Remember, he was, uh, the Scripture says he was looking for an actual city whose foundations was, was made by God. And, uh, and so when he kind of ran out of options after trying things his own way and not really making any progress, just kind of like how you and I uh, do that sometimes, he, he finally came back to where he first built the altar And he started to learn to trust in God even more. And it's there that God made the covenant with Abram. And he gave him and his descendants the the deed to that land. Over five million acres Abraham inherited that night. And immediately, in the eyes of God at least, uh, Abram was no longer a stranger. Because once you have the the property deed, uh, you're not a stranger, you're not a visitor, you're not a trespasser anymore. But you're an owner, right? Uh, You can put up a a trespassing sign on your property and uh, you know guard against that, uh, defend it however you desire. Uh, You have that right here in this country because that is your property. You are the owner. But uh, anyone who is not on the name on the deed is can be considered a trespasser, a stranger. Um, and uh, they have no rights. And so um, he was no longer a stranger in the eyes of God, but he had all the rights uh, to that land. Um, But convincing the kings and the kingdoms that were presently living there and even living there many, many years before Abraham arrived, um, convincing them that he was the rightful owner of that land, uh, would would be a hard task to do, and and that would take some time uh, to do, um, and obviously we, we would need the help of the Lord to do that. And eventually, we know the story that uh, God does help drive the inhabitants out and helps them conquer the land, uh, solely because God gave them that land. And so He's God's helping fight for that land, that promise that He gave them. But but the most important uh, thing and having the deed to the land uh, that's the most important thing, right? Because with that you have all the rights and you have what you can say whatever you want if you have the deed. If you don't have it, then you know your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, but Abram had the deed in the eyes of God. It just wasn't uh, uh, made public, I guess. It's a, a deal uh, uh, that was between God and Abram. A- and so Uh, since God made this land, made this world, he's the rightful owner of it all. Uh, And so he can give it to whomever he chooses. And so he chose to give it to a 75-year-old man uh, who left his comforts comforts and security behind, and he chose to become a stranger in a foreign land and to live by faith and learn to trust in God. Uh, But he was still... A stranger in the land in the eyes of the locals, obviously, a newcomer. Uh, I don't think that Abram went around spreading the news that God gave him the deed to all this. Uh, That probably wouldn't be wise. Uh, And so sometimes we have to learn to wait for the promises of God to actually come to pass uh, as opposed to try to force them and, and make them happen. Um, He didn't really have any uh, land rights or or land, plot of land, until he he bought the the cave to bury his wife in. Um, That's the first time Abram really uh, began to own some property. We see that in Genesis 23. And Abram stood up uh, from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Now here... Deep down, Abram already knows that this land is my land, but yet he's still, um, you know, he's still uh, dealing with these people uh, as as uh, normal business would be. Uh, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a possession out of, of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And and he, he purchases this cave and this land, and he gets the deed and the paper and all that stuff. And so uh, imagine having to buy your own land. I mean, technically, he's already the owner, isn't he? I mean, God gave him that land and his descendants that land. But now uh, he has to buy some land that's technically already his. Talk about living by faith, right? When it comes out of your pocketbook and you're still, God, I shouldn't have to do this, Um uh, sometimes God's promises are a little bit slow to come to pass and, and maybe we have to do some things and, that we don't think we should have to do or maybe we're stretched a little bit uh, beyond our comfort zone. But aren't you thankful that while the promises of God might be slow, we know that they are sure, that they will come to pass, that they will happen no matter the situation. If God said it, it is going to happen. And so Abram, Abraham and his descendants are living in the land, not as the, the billionaires that they are really worth, uh, but still at more like strangers and sojourners and living uh, as shepherds and, and herdsmen out in the open fields, um, and, and to date, uh, the... Uh, the only deeded possession that the family has is this cave where they bury their dead. There's a little cemetery, if you will, for the family uh, where Sarah was buried and uh, Abraham was buried there as well. And eventually Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah were all buried there. This is their only land, plot of land that's uh, good to their name. And we, we know the story how Joseph Uh, is later sold into slavery and ends up in Egypt as the second-in-command there, Um, and and now due due to a worldwide famine, the family of Israel, the young family of Israel, uh, leaves the promised land, the land that God gave them, they leave that land, and they move to Egypt, uh, just when they're starting to put down their roots, uh, a few generations now have been uh, born in this land and, and are starting to expand and, and grow and, 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 and develop more uh, relationships and business dealings with the, uh, the inhabitants of the land. Uh, now they pick it all up and now they are starting all over again in a strange land as strangers. Things were nice in the beginning in Goshen while they had the favor of Pharaoh, Uh, but there arose a king in Egypt who knew not Joseph, nor his family, nor cared about these people. Um, And uh, things turned from favor to fatigue and misery. Once strangers who could roam free and had the blessings of Egypt now have become slaves. And this new way of living uh, would not end anytime soon. Um, Four hundred years would need to pass at least, because that's what God told Abram uh, that night when he deeded the land. He said, "Your descendants will be uh, uh, strangers in a foreign land for uh, to the fourth generation." And so, uh, uh, as as hard as it may may have been, I don't know if they kept track of the promises of God. Hopefully. Uh, Maybe if so, maybe they did or didn't. I mean, if you're in the first generation of slavery, you don't want to know that it's not going to get relieved until 400 years because that means your whole life will be in that. But uh, uh, they still knew about the promises of God, um, and they were holding on to them, and they were uh, crying out to uh, their God. And uh, we we, we know that eventually Moses, Moses grows up in Egypt not as a stranger, uh, Israelites have been there for hundreds of years. He he does not grow up as a stranger, but more of a citizen of Egypt, and, and even more uh, a member of the royal family. Grew up in the palace uh, in Egypt, but we know that he tries to help his people out, and he kills the Egyptian one at a time, uh, buries them in the sand, and uh, he ends up fleeing his homeland. Uh, Not by choice, but out of necessity that he's got to go. He's got to leave because Pharaoh is after him now. And and now uh, Moses becomes a stranger in the land of Midian, uh, kind of like Abram. uh, But Abram kind of did that by faith, and and Moses is out there on the run uh, to stay alive. So he ends up finding a girl out there and marries her, Zipporah. And they have a child, and uh, I don't know if you can recall what Moses' son's name is, uh, but Exodus 2.22 says, And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So now here the word stranger is coming up again, and it's Moses who is saying this and admitting this. Uh, a descendant of Abraham is now declaring he's a a stranger. And you guessed it, Gershom means exile or refugee. Uh, Or better yet, probably stranger. Uh, And so how about that for a name? Your name is actually stranger. So when they say, hey stranger, you're like, hey, how'd you know my name? That's Gershom. All because of Moses became a stranger and he left his his rights and his, uh, his home behind, uh, and, and due to the circumstances, he's out there now in the wilderness, um, and, and he, he goes back into Egypt with the help of the Lord, and he delivers the entire nation out of Egypt, and he leads them out into the wilderness, and out there in the wilderness, out Sinai, uh, God starts establishing uh, the nation of the kingdom of Israel, and he starts establishing with a, with a nation, you have to have laws to govern and to rule the, the, the people by. And so God starts establishing these laws. And uh, in the law we see, we start to see more references about strangers. Because a nation is going to have to have uh, laws regarding strangers and visitors and, and foreigners that come in. Uh, to your land unless you, you know, build a massive wall around your ter- your country, uh, you're going to have to worry about people just showing up randomly. Uh, and so here they are, this borderless nation, a-, a group of people out in the desert and God is, is establishing some rules and laws regarding uh, strangers that come into the land. And we-, we see this with the institution of the Passover. The Lord declares this Exodus 12. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your house houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, eateth that, eateth that soul, shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Uh, and so here uh, it is introduced uh, that uh, a stranger doesn't really have these rights to participate in the Passover feast, uh, and, and that that special thing for Israel. Verse 44, he goes on to say, But every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, shall eat he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. And so here, uh, we know that a stranger or a foreigner doesn't really have rights to that place they're in. Um, and, and here, God is spelling it out that, hey, strangers... Uh, cannot participate. They have no rights. They, they, they can't be a part of this. And, and so we're starting to see a dividing line between the nation of Israel and really anybody else. Uh, why? Because God's people are to be separate from the world, right? There has to be a line somewhere that separates the people of God from the people of the world. And and God is uh, starting to do this all the way back, even before they had borders. But as they were a a group of people, uh, he's starting to say, this is what a stranger is. And a stranger cannot do the things that you do because, again, they are a stranger. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so the people of God are not like everybody else. We are called out with a higher purpose, with a higher calling, with a higher occupation than any company in this world can offer us. And that is to be a child of God, a, a holy uh, and set-apart person in this dark world that we should show forth the praises of God and what He has done in our lives, and we can be uh, the light in this dark world. That is that is a, a high calling upon each and every one of us. And there has to be lines of uh, distinguished uh Characteristics between us and them. Otherwise, how can we stand apart from the world? And the people of God are called to live on uh, according to the, the the plan that God has set forth in His Word, uh, to to be a, uh, a child of God and to abide um, in in the household of God. But even though the law. That God had just declared in the wilderness says strangers cannot or must not participate in the fast, in the P- Passover feast, uh, that this is only for the people of God. Thankfully, God doesn't view strangers as really danger. Uh, he, he goes on to say in verse 48: and when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and keep thee and will keep the passover to the lord let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it and he shall be as one that is born in the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof one law shall be to him uh, that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you and so now we see Uh, that yes, it is the Passover feast is just for the people of God and that the strangers cannot participate in it. But now we see a door open to the strangers that, hey, actually, we know that you are a stranger, but you can actually participate in this feast with us and you can become as one that is born in the land as of the household of God. Uh, Because in every generation... A call goes out to the strangers in the land. And this call goes out, invites them to no longer be a stranger among the household of God, but you can trade that stranger status for a a chosen person status. And and who would not want to make that deal, right? If you know the details and the benefits of being of the household of God, you would not in your rightful mind say, no, I don't want to live that way. I want to continue being a stranger uh, in the eyes of God. No, uh, everyone in their right mind, had they, if they understand the truth and they know the truth, every single person would say, I want to be a part of the household of God. I don't want to go to a devil's hell, but yet uh, God uh, wants everybody to come to repentance and doesn't want anybody to perish. And so why do people perish? Why do people die as sinners or as strangers in the eyes of God? Uh, in the wilderness in the formation of the nation of Israel, a stranger could not participate in the Passover as we read. But if a stranger decided to submit themselves to the Word of God and become circumcised and Then they could partake in the Passover that was strictly for the people of God. And so what an amazing opportunity uh, for those strangers living among them. Uh, Now you are no longer a stranger, uh, but now you are considered as one that is born in the land and born into the family of God, Um, all because you started to submit to what the Word of God says and as long as you do that you can be a part of the family of God even though the details might be a little bit different the same call has been going out for centuries that if a stranger submits to the word of God and lives in the covenant with God and they will they will no longer be considered a stranger but they will become a, a citizen, a saint of the household of God. And today, this call looks like this. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so that is the call today to every stranger among us. And that is the call that you and I heard. And that is the call that we received and we obeyed. Aren't you thankful that you heard the call and that you obeyed the call and you, you followed the voice of God and followed the leading of the Spirit? Why? Because now you are no longer a stranger, but you are born again uh, and now are part of the household of God. As we see in our, our text, wherefore remember that ye being in times past, and the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, uh, we didn't belong here, strangers from the covenants of promise, we had no clue, we had no rights, no access, uh, having no hope. And without God in the world, strangers uh, of God have no hope in this world. There's, there's nothing to look forward to. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, um, and having abolished in his flesh the enmity. "...even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make him, make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, and having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Uh, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father." And now... We are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And so uh, thanks be to Jesus for what he has done because he broke down that wall. He paid the price so that uh, we who were strangers stuck in that, as that status in the eyes of God. We were, there was no way we could come across. But thankfully Jesus made a way that we can say, hey, I don't want to be a stranger any longer. I've lived in this dark world long enough, but I want to try a new life. I want to become a citizen in the kingdom of God, and now we are no longer strangers and foreigners because a stranger to God, what does that mean, being a stranger to God? uh, Matthew 7 tells us what really that is. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not done all this uh, prophesied in your name, and in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, and says, uh, you're a stranger to me. You're a stranger, I don't know who you are. I never knew you. you. You're using my name and doing all these things, but you, you, you don't, I don't know who you are. You are a stranger in my eyes, and so therefore depart from me, you that work of the iniquity. Uh, a stranger is not going to live in God's eternal house. God's gonna know, God wants to know everybody who lives in his house, just like you uh, would want to know everyone who lives in your house, Right? Uh, except, you know, if you do that, that Airbnb, you got strangers coming in your house. Uh, but, uh, uh, in the household of God, God's going to know everybody. And if he says, I don't know you, you're a stranger, guess what? You're not getting in. And many people who are strangers, uh, are going to try to, uh, smooth talk God into getting in, but they're, they're obviously not going to get in. And, And we know that this, this hammer, this, uh, judgment has not fallen yet. And so all those who are strangers still have an opportunity to obey the gospel, which has the power to save their soul uh, because it takes them from being a foreigner into, uh to become a fellow citizen and a saint of God and of the household of God. And so that's, that's really a picture of a transformation that takes place. You're a stranger unknown to God. Um, and if you stay in that status, you'll 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 be in a devil's hell. But if you submit to the word of God, then you will no longer become a stranger, but uh, a saint or a child of God. And um, uh, thankfully, we have that opportunity. And it's not just exclusive to us, but anybody whosoever will has the opportunity uh, to forfeit their stranger status and become a citizen in the kingdom. Uh, but that choice uh, comes down to us. Uh, and so now that foreigners are identified in the word of God as one that really doesn't have, uh, they haven't submitted to a, uh, a covenant with God, they haven't submitted to uh, the word of God that he establishes, uh, those who obey, uh, there will be those who that obey and they will become uh, just as we did in the, in the family of God. And then there will be those who choose to still live the life of a stranger, and God gives us that choice to make. And so, uh, as the saints of God and of the household of God, how are are we supposed to view uh, strangers among us? Uh, Even though, uh, even those who choose to remain a stranger, uh, do, do they say, uh, do we say stranger danger and do we walk on the other side of the street or, or maybe you're, you're not apostolic and you don't dress like me or uh, you're a stranger of God and so I'm going to avoid you at all costs. Is, is that how the Israelites were, were told to view and to treat the strangers among them? Because we have that line, uh, uh, a distinguishing line now, right? We're, we're the people of God and we're separate from the world. Now that means most of the world now Uh, Are strangers to us because they're not in the household of God. Uh, And and so, how were the Israelites told to view and treat the the strangers among them? Uh, Exodus 22 Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. So, we are seeing the heart of God towards strangers. Uh, in this world. He says, don't vex them or oppress them, not because of who they are, not because they they are a stranger, not because they are not of the household of God, not because they they smell like cigarette smoke or vape smoke or alcohol, no. In fact, the, the treatment of strangers has nothing to do With the status or the condition of the stranger. What their their life is like has nothing to do with how you are told to treat them. It has everything to do with the people of God. It has everything to do with us. Don't oppress the stranger. Why? Because you were once a stranger. Don't oppress them because they're strangers. No. Don't oppress them because they're not like you. No. Don't oppress them because You were once a stranger. Don't avoid a stranger or don't be rude to a stranger. Don't oppress them, not because of who they are and they are not like you. We need to be nice to the stranger simply because we used to be a stranger. And somebody showed us love. Somebody showed us grace and mercy and extended a hand of love to us, right, as we we were once strangers, Uh, And so we need to be nice to the stranger because we used to be one. And God is reminding the people of Israel, his people, don't forget that you were once a stranger. Leviticus 19 and 34, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Here we go again. They are told why to love the stranger, simply because they were once a stranger. There's there's no other reason. Uh, God says you love the stranger among you, you treat them nicely, only because you were once a stranger. You don't. There's no other details need to be said. You are a stranger, and so now you gotta take care of the stranger, um, and that can be the source of of a of the problem a lot of times is when the people of God get so used to living a, a separate and holy life, uh, apart from sin, uh, apart from wickedness and uncleanliness, uh, again, we're, that's that's what we're called to do, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. We, uh, As part of our covenant with God, we are not to really handle all the uncleanliness and, and, and partake in all those things, uh, but, but sometimes... Uh, Uh, we can kind of forget about that we used to be on the other side. And and the life that we used to live, that we live now, is in such a contrast to everybody around us that when a stranger shows up, we can easily judge them and identify them and point out their flaws and their failures and their sins. And uh, all of these things that we have removed from our life, uh, sometimes uh, we we can forget about where we've come from and we can easily point out issues and flaws in other people, right? Sometimes I, I look around here on uh, Sundays and I, I see guests coming here and uh, obviously they're sitting by themselves or with their, their party, whoever's with them. And uh, sometimes I'll look around and see everybody in the church is conversing and uh, talking to somebody, smiling and shaking hands. And yet the stranger sits on the pew looking around at this family that they know they're not a part of. And, and, and you know, don't act like we don't, we don't know there's a stranger among us. Everybody knows there's a visitor here, right? Everybody knows. Because di- there's something different in here. There's a different face. Uh, a few extra chairs are taken up that are normally not taken up. And so we all know when there's a stranger among us, and uh, hopefully our view of them is not stranger danger. Simply because we were once strangers too. Doesn't matter what they're struggling with. Doesn't matter what they're going, doesn't matter how bad of a sinner they are. None of that matters, does it? The only, the only thing that matters to God is you treat them nicely because you were once a stranger. And so that's, uh, when we grab a hold of that, uh, we should welcome every single person uh, like we wanted to to be welcome in in an apostolic church because we were once strangers in an apostolic church, right? And if we forget about that, uh, then we can look at that new face, that strange face and say, there's somebody new here. And, And so hopefully our view of them is not stranger dangers and Uh, hopefully our memories of being a stranger have not been covered up. Um, uh, And and so we, uh, that we can't, that we forget about maybe how uncomfortable it was to to show up in a new place, in a new church. I mean, you're seeking churches out. I mean, that's that's a stressful thing. You want to find the right place. And uh, uh, we must not forget about that, hey, that was once us. I mean, it's even harder, I guess, for those who are born and born in the church because we may not necessarily have that stranger experience, but uh, we should be the most welcoming church, the most friendly church. Why? Because we were once strangers too. And God has called us to love them as we love ourselves. Uh, and so uh, there shouldn't be any strangers among us because we should uh, reach out to them and greet them uh. uh and make them feel welcome. Leviticus twenty three twenty two. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make uh, clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Uh, God says, uh, don't just don't lick everything up. Don't pick up every piece of grain on from the ground. Uh, Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave unto them the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So here, here is another uh, a way that God wants his people to treat the, the strangers is you put in all the work. You do all the all the planting and the harvesting. You work for months and months and months, and you finally get a harvest, and and you look at the fields and like, wow, this is uh, it's time to uh, cash out and put all those things in the bank. And uh, I worked hard for that, but God says, no, don't don't you take everything off the land. I know you even I know what you did. I know all the effort you put in and the time and and and, and all that. But you need to leave some. Uh, leave some of your blessing out there for the strangers, for the for the poor. And so however God has blessed us, there should always be room for the strangers among us, for us to share in them. And I, I, I'm not saying that we hand out uh, $100 bills to, uh, and possessions to every stranger that comes in here, uh, maybe maybe uh, before gas was this high, but uh, certainly not now, right? But um, I'm not saying we need to be handing out money and all these things. But the, but the one thing that all of us can give to the strangers among us is a smile and a warm welcome, right? Because that doesn't cost anything. It just costs us from some talking to our friends and say, hey, I saw a stranger uh, I want to go and make them feel welcome. Excuse me, we'll finish talking later. I'll, I'll see you the next three days this week, and so we can pick up or after church, right? Uh, we, can, we can get so caught up talking with each other that nobody talks to the stranger. And, and how's that going to feel for them, and, and how's it look against us? Uh, and so I know that we are uh, a friendly church, and I know we, we greet our guests, and we just want to make sure we're going the extra mile to make them feel welcome. Uh, musicians, if you would come. Uh, Jesus takes this whole stranger principle, and really takes it to a higher level. Uh, he he draws out the 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 part in the Old Testament that uh, they probably washed over and didn't really uh, care much about. Uh, Matthew twenty two, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets and the prophets. And so here now we see uh, the stranger is now woven in to the greatest commandments that God has given. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. If we, if we hold on to those verses, then that's what? That's going to eliminate strangers, right? If we love our neighbor as ourself, then we really see no stranger, do we? I mean, I know there are certain personality types that they see no strangers. And they go up and talk to everyone or, or, or what they, can, they have that personality. But uh, really, there, there shouldn't be any strangers among us. Um, I know not everyone is obviously... Born again and all that, but we are told to love our neighbor as ourselves, and um, it's it's not just uh, our neighbors that we live by. That's how that's how we define neighbors, and, but what does God define a neighbor as? That should be pretty important, right? Not my definition, but God's definition. Again, going back to how we first started out this series, our our thoughts towards strangers. We want to get God's thoughts towards strangers. Uh, Jesus explains the parable. Um, about the Good Samaritan to explain what a neighbor is. And really, uh, when you read that parable, that story, the neighbor is a stranger. It's a stranger he met on the side of the road, and he took care of him. Uh, and so uh, strangers should not be viewed as danger, but uh, we should uh, learn to, to love them and, and do anything we can to help them, uh, win them to the Lord uh, because we were once strangers too, and somebody, thankfully, somebody didn't look at us and said, "Stranger danger! I'm not going to invite them to church uh, because I don't know them." Uh, but we all are, are are what were once strangers, and simply because of that, does God say you need to love, you need to take care and watch out for the strangers, and and you really never know who uh, a stranger can be. You never know their story. You never know what God is calling them or working in their life. You never know who strangers are. Uh, Obviously, that can be uh, in a bad way, obviously, but uh, try not to talk about that, but uh, in a good way. Uh, If you stand with me tonight, Hebrews 13.2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some... Have entertained angels unawares. And so that stranger who we don't know could be an angel. We don't know. And maybe God has sent them to us to see how we're going to view strangers. Can you imagine one day finding out how many angels you passed by? We don't know. We don't know who the stranger is, and that's why we our our first thought should not be stranger danger. Because an angel of God is not danger, right? It should be our friend. Um, and, and so I, I wonder how many of the guests that have come through these doors throughout the years were people or were actually angels? On well, that we don't. Well, maybe we'll find out one day. Maybe they were sent or and are sent to see. Do we make the stranger feel welcome in the house of God? Because we were once strangers too. And I know we talk a lot about the revival and reaching the city of Fort Myers. Um, and we know that uh, that is going to happen because it's in the word of God, the, the outpouring of his spirit upon all flesh. Uh, but a revival in Fort Myers means that we're going to be reaching thousands and thousands of strangers. And if we don't understand what uh, God is calling us to do with regard to strangers, how are we going to reach them? How do we treat that one stranger that comes in here and comes through the doors? If we want to reach thousands of strangers, how do we treat that one stranger? If we avoid them... How are we going to go out and reach, reach the lost if, if a stranger comes in and we avoid them? And so how we, we treat the guests and the visitors and the strangers among us is, is really is deeper than maybe we realized and we thought about. Because Israel got in trouble because of how they treated strangers. And they had a lot of problems. Uh, God spells out in Ezekiel uh, problems all over the place. But one of the accusations uh, against Israel is, is found in Exodus or Ezekiel 22 and 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Now, there's a whole list of verses there. God's explaining everything Everything they've done wrong. No, no, they didn't differentiate between a holy and unholy, clean and unclean, all these things. The priest, everybody was corrupted, all these things. And uh, there's a, a laundry list of, of accusations against Israel. But isn't it amazing that in, in this giant list, God still throws in there, hey, you didn't treat the tr- strangers right. That to me means that strangers are are valuable in the eyes of God. Obviously, because we were once strangers, and He sees the value in each and every one of us. And and so, viewing the people, viewing people as stranger danger does not really help and grow the kingdom of God. Because we were once strangers, and and, and I know that we uh, would not consider ourselves strangers here. That we are the family of God and we see each other a few times a week. Uh, we know each other's names and, and, and we greet one another. And, uh, but how much, how much further do we really go? I know we're, we're on a time crunch here on Sundays and Thursdays and whatever days we come here. Uh, and I know we, we can't do lifelong discussions here with everybody. But how, how much further do we really go? Do we how well do we actually know one another? If you look around the room, we, we know there's not a stranger here. We recognize everyone's faces. But how well do we know those faces? Do we know where everyone has come from or what their story is or what God has done for them or where God has brought them or uh, the promises that God has spoken to them or uh, how well do we really know one another. We may have been going to church for years with the same people and yet in a little way, they can maybe still feel like a stranger, even though we greet them and hey how you doing sister, brother, whatever you know we, we know we know who you are, but what else do we know? And so we can still sometimes feel like a stranger, they can still feel like strangers among us. Um, and so um, if we're going to live in heaven with each other for eternity, we should know who we're going to spend time with, right? More, I mean, obviously the, the argument can be made that, yeah, we'll have plenty of time to get to know one another up there, but uh, well, what about a lifetime down here? Shouldn't that be plenty of time to, 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 to go past a handshake and a, and a smile? Uh, you know that's what we we do we do for our guests and, and visitors, um, and, and so uh, with with all this in mind, I, I I think it would be good for us as a as a church family, a church body, uh, to get to know one another even better. I mean, however however well we know one another, that's great, but uh, there's always more uh, to know about somebody. Uh, and so what I would like for us over the next few weeks or so is to maybe to reach out to somebody who is not a stranger here, but yet you've never really sat down with them, right? We come to worship God together, but do we know who, who's here among us? And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you invite them to your house for dinner or maybe you arrange the time you go out to eat somewhere or meet somewhere, uh, do something, but, uh, you know... Uh, we can uh, get to become a stronger family together the more we know about one another. If it's, if it's, a, if it's a surface relationship, then that's only, it's kind of, uh, it's only so deep. Uh, and I know we have our, our friends and our, our BFFs and, and people we, we hang out with all the time, but uh, that's not who I'm asking us to go out to eat again with because we've been eating with them for years. But maybe invite somebody, uh, invite a new face. They're not, they're not a stranger, right, because we, we know who we are. Uh, but we just haven't reached out and, 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 and opened up the circle a little bit and to find out more about one another. Because uh, as the body of Christ, uh, we are told to love one another. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one suffers, we all suffer, right? But if we really don't know much about the person next to us, how can we suffer with them unless we spend time with them, unless we get to know them? Uh, We we know our friends. uh, We know everything that goes on in our life. But uh, how much do we know about other people besides the smile, the face, and the handshake? Uh, And so uh, over the next few weeks, let's make it a point to reach out to somebody or a few people. I mean, this is... This should be a, a, a part of our 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 church as a as a family of God, right? I mean, we're we're gonna survive the, uh, this world together, right? We got to get to know one another, right? Um, and, and so, um, the the stronger we become as a body, as a core, uh, the stronger uh, we are to fight the enemy together, right? And that way, when when somebody's brother uh, dies, we we know and we're praying for them. You know, and we don't, we don't want to become a, a gossip church where, you know, spill everyone's needs. But, uh, you know, we, we want to know uh, what's going on in the body. And so uh, I would encourage each and every one of you uh, to, to look around and, and find somebody that you haven't really sat down and get to talk uh, more than a few minutes to. And let's let's get to know one another. It, it Obviously, it may be awkward if, at first, but it shouldn't, right? The, we we worship the God worship God together, uh, and so if somebody comes up and invites you out, you don't don't shut them down to say, okay, brother, yeah, that would be great. Get to know one another on a deeper level, uh, because I I want to see God do great things in us, and we need to be in one mind and one accord, and that comes by uh, removing the strangers among us, the strange feelings that we know each other, and we know that God is going to do something great in us and through us. Amen, and that way the body is connected even stronger that when, when somebody falls or whatever, we're there to lift everyone up, amen. Amen, let's worship the Lord together as one body, one voice, one mind together. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. We were once strangers, Lord. Not any longer.